evening, Saban. Screw. Good evening, Dan. Hello. It's it's been busy recently, so we've not been sticking to schedule as well as we'd hope to. I mean, mm. it's definitely completely my fault. Um, so mm. I have to apologise. No, the thing is, you only have your context in 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 account. I mean, I've I was pretty busy. I've I was pretty busy this last weekend as well. So that's why I think we organise it for a day. But I completely forgot myself as well. Just yeah, was very busy. Um, so yeah, it just be like that sometimes. What have you been doing? Um, so the past weekend was spent mostly helping my sister, you know, just doing some video and photo stuff just to help get some things off the ground for her. So yeah, that's where most of my time was spent. And then like, it was, it was such intense days, like up from 4.30, just do all my work in the morning up until like 12 and my other, you know, daily activities, like going to the gym and everything, and then just heading over to hers and then just banging out all of that stuff. And then in between while setting up between different shoots and stuff, just you know, trying to bang some flashcards in between just to make sure I'm like, ultimate productivity cannot stop. So it, it was intense, but, you know, pretty useful overall. And it got my like creative spark going, which I've kind of neglected uh, over the past couple of months. So I think it was a nice refresher, even though I didn't study as much I would have as much as I would have liked. But yeah, what about you? I think for me, so I came to the end of my last block last week. And uh, I've also been uh, I have the job on the side, which has been really interesting and actually in a good way, time consuming and that I enjoy learning about the stuff. So um, it, <laughs> just it, because of the nature of your job and, you know, the different NDAs and stuff you're under. It's so funny. Like you talk about your job on the podcast, but no one actually knows what you do. <laughs> like You're mm. always so like, yeah, so yeah, the job was busy and I enjoy it. But you just you don't say what it is, which is fair I enough, but yeah, it's just funny. It must I be funny for what, like listeners like, oh, so irritated. what do you do kind of thing? Yeah, I, I experienced, I feel that a little bit. And it's, I'm sure there are things I could say, but I'd rather just err on the side of caution yeah, than just be yeah. like, yeah, but it is super interesting and it's quite science-based. So it kind of comes into medicine as well. But for example, I just, um, I just came off of a call and I'd made a presentation and I, I got a bit roasted for it. I oh. realized that the the type of presentations that they expect or that like outside of the medicine world are a bit different to like presentations within within the medicine world where so much of it is actually just like if you think about the presentations sometimes we'll get in lectures or in hospital teachings it will mm. just be like you give this drug for this disease here's a photo there would just be a photo of a hand and they'll be like what's the problem you know and, and stuff like that whereas yeah. here all of the information needs to be Mm, included in the slides it needs to be like mm. you don't need the 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 verbal input on top of it really it needs to be all understood just from the slides themselves and stuff really? like that so Interesting. yeah it's a different way of doing it and that so it's like um the antithesis of a good presentation and slide design so it's yeah. it, i agree with you but i think ultimately the point isn't the presentation itself the yeah. point is to have a resource it's basically like instead of having a long document with all the information it's nicer to organize it in a presentation it's easier to read through and then yeah like the when we go through it, i will just narrate what what we're looking at but ultimately this information that i'm compiling is for any employees in the future who need to just look at the presentation in a year's time and like know exactly what's going on so mm. yeah it's, it's completely different basically um so yeah, that's been quite time consuming. And then um, starting a new block, I had essay, I had an essay due on Monday, which was super interesting. It was on global health and you could basically choose a topic. I chose um, the uh, disparities Brazil. in healthcare yeah. Yeah, in, in Brazil. Yeah, I, I briefly um, had a flick through it, but haven't had the time to actually read it. it. It did look interesting, no, but no. yeah, go, go, go ahead, explain it or talk about it. <laughs> well, I mean, ultimately Brazil does have like 
quite a str- like quite a big north south divide um it's one of the most it's got one of the poorest levels of wealth equality in the world. Uh, so you've got like the southern regions of Brazil are quite wealthy and the northern regions are actually a very, like many people live in poverty, uh, especially in the northeast of Brazil, which is quite heavily um, concentrated in, in its population as well. You've got like 50 million people living in northeast Brazil. It's the same as like Spain. Are there any, can you like name some just popular cities or something in like south and north? Like, cities yeah like holiday destinations or something okay in the south uh well in the very south you've got porto alegre which is where i i went to when i went oh, to brazil yes. in yeah porto alegre in the south you also have uh curitiba florianopolis you have rio and sao paulo of course in the southeast region of brazil mm. and then in the north you've got uh you don't have as many cities but you have for example recife salvador you have natal so they're all big cities as well, but they are not as, uh, it's, it's not so much the cities, it's also just the rural areas. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot less, a, a lot less money, a lot less wealth and the level of like the infrastructure and stuff is a lot poorer. So yeah. it's actually very interesting that you have a public healthcare system where parts of the country are a lot poorer than other parts. There's actually this thing called the, I think it's called the Belindia model, something like that, where you've got like, half of the or like parts of the country are sort of structured like Belgium would be and then other parts of the country are structured like India in terms of the levels of poverty and the distribution of the poverty as well so it's super interesting that that all exists within one country which does have a public health system so um, and then you've also got things in play like the Amazon and how difficult it is to provide healthcare um, services to people living in for example Manaus which is a city nestled in the middle of the Amazon basically just fascinating to read about and and look at what's being done to combat these differences. So like, for example, the number of doctors in the south of Brazil, you've got parts of Brazil in the south with seven times more doctors than in the north. And it's, yeah, it's really interesting, basically. Uh, I still hope that in our lifetimes, Brazil can reach a point where mm, like the wealth disparity is, is massively reduced. I think that's possible because there is enough wealth there. It's just that it's such a complex problem and one that we shouldn't go into now, of course, that I wouldn't be like um, qualified to talk about in any great detail, but it's very interesting to learn about. And yeah, I enjoyed writing the essay. I understand it a little bit better now. Did you propose any potential solutions in reducing that healthcare disparity? I did slightly, but I don't want to go into it too much because I don't back <laughs> myself enough. to, I don't think my opinions are necessarily worth anything. Um, I, I think that there is, there's a private health system in Brazil, as with most, most countries that works in like sort of conjunction with the public healthcare system. Mm. Um, and there's more actual spending um, within the private healthcare system than the public healthcare system. And that causes like uptake of services to be very different in the South versus in the North, where the North is a lot more reliant on the public healthcare system. And I think as a result, maybe the distribution of resources and stuff could be a bit different, but it's, it's very like, and money itself, like the amount of funding given to healthcare in Brazil is just not enough. That's mm-hmm. a simple way to fix the problem is just how about invest a bit more money into it? But yeah, I guess it, there are so many things that come into play and we don't, we only have 23 minutes left of this. Now. Um, <laughs> so I, I won't talk any more about Brazil, uh, although I would very much like to. Um, so yeah, that, that was due on Monday. And then, um, yeah, I'm starting a new rotation, which will be in Bournemouth, actually, uh, GP rotation. So starting from oh. Monday, I will be 
I'm in, in Bournemouth, Bournemouth next Monday. Oh, I'm I'm in Bournemouth Ooh. next week. It's the start of there a again. It's just we're our, our have, periods are synced hundred percent, man. We're gonna have we're gonna have all our episodes up to like mid twenty twenty two done <laughs> in the next few weeks, Ooh. and then just take six months off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's something to look forward to as well. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, I think that's all on my end. Um, unless there's anything else you'd like to add to, we could get on to a couple of the topics or like thoughts that we wanted to share today. Yeah, let's go straight into it. Okay, so my first one is like a question, just sort of like a brain, like a, a game almost, like scenario thing. Um, oh, by the way, random point. Uh, the, the things I find most entertaining in life are, are hypotheticals. So this is a hypothetical question. Mm. Um, like a lot of my humor, like it, it all, um, it's all like surrounding hypotheticals. So if you imagine that we could quantify every trait between zero and 100, and that zero is one end of the spectrum, so zero will be completely opposite to 100. The most obvious example is zero, zero being, if this is your happiness level, zero being ultimate sadness and 100 being ultimate happiness with 50 being neither happy nor sad. Do you have any comments? Quickly? No, I was just going to clarify that you were talking about, you know, personality characteristics and traits, not just any random traits. Or I suppose yes, any no, random traits as well to a certain extent. But yeah. Any random traits I think would be interesting. Um, uh, you know, you can have it for, for example, introversion and extroversion. You know, like you can, you could basically imagine the whole spectrum of personality. I don't know what shape it would be. I'm guessing it would be a sphere maybe. Um, but if you could illustrate it as a shape, mm. basically, and then imagine that you would have your own set of like thousands of different criteria and we've quantified every single one, which is a weird way to look at the world, but ultimately everything is statistics and maths. So you could probably do it, mm. although it would take the joy out of life completely. Um, uh, like, oh, I just moved up to 64. <laughs> I, I moved up to 64 in my, in my gentleness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, imagine you've got your um, Saban formula and I've got my Dan formula or my Dan composition. What would happen if every single one was um, switched to the opposite, so 64 becomes 36, 55 to 45 and so on, what would that person be like ultimately? Uh, they're, they're truly the polar opposite to you. Do you think that, uh, like the reason why I ask it is because I can imagine that you would get along with that person, but I could also imagine why there would be the um, ultimate like enemy. So yeah, what do you think? Yeah, see, I'm actually thinking they'd be more down towards the... I wouldn't say enemy, enemy's a bit extreme, but I don't think there'd be direct compatibility. Or, I don't know, maybe you just like coalesce and become one like yin and yang, just like just the antithesis of each other. It's just like, um, yeah, because say if you are a naturally kind-hearted person and the other person who is, you know, the reciprocal of you is obviously the opposite, so not kind-hearted and instead rude or whatever, you are probably not going to get on with that person. So, I mean, that's one example straight off the bat. I can't see how that scenario could be solved to be able to get on with that person. Or if you are generally a not angry person and the other person is just very angry, the person just shouting at you for like no reason, I'm probably not going to interact with that person. So I can't see myself getting along with the direct opposite and also also because like it's bad to turn everything into mathematics I was, like that's my final time saying that um but it's really interesting to think 
okay, could you not generate a formula based on all of your traits that could figure out which person in the whole world you would actually get along best with? For example, say you're a very inquisitive person, you may be more likely to like someone who's more different from you because you'd be more likely to accept those differences and be interested in them as opposed to someone who's very low on the inquisitive scale. I don't know what the opposite of inquisitive is, but like... um, uh, they're, they're just non-inquisitive very, like, yeah. <laughs> exquisitive exquisite <laughs> yeah. um, um, they're, they're the complete opposite they may like someone who's a lot more similar to them and the same thing goes with maybe like level like how highly you think of yourself it would be interesting to think okay would you be more likely to get along with someone then who thinks highly of themselves as well or does that mean that you will um, clash with them or if there's someone who thinks very lowly of themselves will you like that because you can take advantage of that and feel good about yourself and show off to them or will you think they're pathetic and you can't see how Mm. they see the world in that way and basically your own composition of traits will mean that you're more or less likely to like someone who's more or less similar to you. It's very interesting to think that, um, yeah, like I, I could, I could like a completely different personality um, yeah. to you. Okay, I have two really interesting thoughts. Okay, one is not so interesting. One's just kind of a remark. <laughs> Basically, I think you'd be a really good like Rishta auntie. Do you, do you know what that is? <laughs> no. So Rishta in like Urdu is or Hindi just means like. Um, like marriage relationship thing, like basically, and it's just, it's always an auntie. So every community, like, so all of, without, of all of my mom's friends, like, you know, there is a rich auntie, like she's the one you'd go to, like, say if I wanted to get married, my mom would tell her that I want to get married, then she'd do all the person like, oh man, I know someone who's got the right characteristics and traits that would go well with Saban and stuff. So just the way you're thinking in these hypotheticals, it'd, it'd be just like... You, you'd be the Rishta uncle, I suppose. Rishta, um, Rishta uncle. I can be auntie. I don't mind being the auntie either. Um, I'll be the Rishta food, auntie. But, okay, the, the actual um, interesting thought that I had is this notion of quantifying different characteristics and traits in terms of personality and emotions and tendencies towards different emotions is currently, to a certain extent, a hypothetical thing. But I think it's going to become more and more reality because of the way we're interacting more with computers and AI and stuff like that like actual robotics, like functional robotics and systems that we'd interact with, right? Um, You know, they've trialed that thing where a customer call service person was actually just a robot interacting with the person and and the human didn't even know. So then has that thing passed the, what's it called, the the Turing test? Um, Okay, but so at that point, you would actually have to start quantifying it. And I wonder how what the process behind quantifying it would be it being like the the traits and stuff. And then it'd actually be a really interesting exercise to be able to just kind of randomly allocate these different characteristics and just interact with that robot or AI or whatever and just see like, like does this person, like that person is now exhibiting certain traits and it's just irritating you. So you're like, okay, I won't get along with this person. And now this might be the new way the Richter aunties work. So now it's going to fall back to the, um, you know, first point I was making, but yeah, I think it's actually interesting that we are actually going to have to start thinking about quantifying these kind of characteristics and traits at some point in the relatively near future. I think it's very interesting as well. My, the, my initial question is, is it even possible to um, try and characterize a personality to a, a detailed level? Because there are so many intangible elements to like someone's way of being that are too difficult Mm. to um, encompass in like a set of numbers because for example so many of your traits are based on your experiences growing up which 
can't be understood unless someone's literally lived in your shoes because it's not just the events that you've had but it's the place you were in at that time which caused you to process a certain situation in a mm. certain way everything everything's compounding so i mean like it you were going to say something yeah, the sorry. thing is there's so much data available on the internet and stuff that you can so let's create... assume you can do all of it yeah let's assume like let's assume this is Actually, 50 no, years it, it has been done to a certain extent to be fair like you know these um uh ai writing assistants and stuff like shortly and some other ones like there's one called jarvis that's the name of the bot but uh, yeah there, there are some other ones as well when you like so i was using shortly for a bit one and you could type in like write you know give me like you know continue the paragraph with an angry tone and it would do it and if you were like you know make it more angry it would make it more angry kind of thing um, or if you were like, you know, make it, you know, like happy go lucky kind of thing, it, it would have all of those characteristics in. And yes, okay, writing is different to actual expressed emotion in a person and how it's felt, but it's pretty close to, to that thing. So mm. it must understand what creates, what makes something more angry, less angry. And but it I is still... kind of quantifying it within its own neural net system, however it works. So. I would, I would still argue, though, that that's still very far off from being able to. Um, categorize your personality into a set of n numbers basically because mm. with what you're describing there with shortly to to make a very impressive realistic paragraph of writing even perhaps like you could say one day write an angry email about um, a, a return for this product and write it in Dan's style and then it will like process every email I've ever written and mm. use patterns from that and I bet it would make an extremely accurate email but what I'm saying is way beyond in that it's like describe, I'm, I'm saying, can you quantify all of Saban's traits at the moment mm. based on his entire life experience? Because then you can explain each trait and put those into like a formula, basically, that's basically just Saban. And then what happens, you could extrapolate from there and say, okay, I've got now the formula and the coefficients and everything. And now let's imagine that Saban fails med school. Okay, what will his? How will that change his personality? Because there's a formula now. There's like a, you know, like you can add variables in and stuff now to that and see how you would like. You're doing like um, what's it called? Like um, you're running like tests on yourself, <laughs> yeah, based on certain scenarios. And I'm saying, is I'm wondering whether that's actually, literally, whether it's possible to do that. I, I don't. First of all, I really hope we never get to a point where you can do that because I think that makes life genuinely miserable. Um, but yeah. Mm. I don't know if it'd make it miserable. It depends how it's used and how, I suppose if you have the tendency for neuroticism, it would probably end up making you quite miserable because you'd get so hung up in all the all the numbers and the details and stuff. Um, but otherwise, as our interface with technology kind of increases, you know, almost still at like an exponential rate, I think it's almost inevitable when we got like Neuralink chips in our brains and stuff and we're just mm. talking, thinking with the computer kind of thing. So... Yeah, and to be fair, to, to like, yeah, we're still way off from that kind of scenario or to even get to that technological level. But I think you have to give credit to systems like GPT-3 where they have, like, you can just write a paragraph or even just like a sentence, not even finish the sentence, and it will just continue writing in the exact same style. So, I mean, that's kind of a, uh, like a slight detour from what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but... Oh, man, yeah, that that would be interesting, very scary. I'd also want to know like what my actual like fundamental characteristics are because you 
you can't fully internalize every single emotion that you're having and how you're even coming across to everyone in a particular time. So you would need some kind of external thing that is objective in quotation marks to kind of figure out all of these different characteristics. So I wonder if I'd be happy with what it would cut like spew out for me in terms of different numbers in the different I think that's the biggest problem with this. Like it's, it's you, mm. you, there will inevitably be so many things you wouldn't like to know about it. And that's my problem also. Um, wait, do you have anything else on the train of thought? As in, I, I was just going to say, like, you don't have to know it though, but I, I suppose if the information's there, you're just going to be very tempted to look at it. At least I would, because I like, you know, looking at the numbers and figuring stuff out. I suppose I, I suppose there's like neurotic traits to a certain extent. I like going down to the nitty gritty, but then I only do that for like a temporary time, kind of understand it. And then I'll like like step step away from it and become more free-flowing kind of like when i'm like setting up or like trying new eating types of food or like you know different health regimen or gym workout or sleeping schedule kind of thing i'll be really i'll be like there to the dot like in terms of like how specific and exact i am just so i can like be as objective as possible in terms of understanding how this works and how it works for me and how it doesn't work for me and whatnot and then I'll kind of relax on it once I've kind of taken the information from it. But I know some people get hung up and just go even further and further to the point where it becomes pathological. I mean, ultimately, there's a, a final thing I wanted to say on this. Um, I suppose the the topic of today has turned into, is it is it bad to, is the concept of personality categorization a bad thing? Because when I was at work recently, we had someone, we had to all do a long, like a 40 minute test and answer about 150 questions about ourselves and how we, how we act in certain situations and Mm. how we perceive ourselves. One of those, like, you know, the ENTJ, I I can't remember what it's called, like, um, the the 16 Myers-Briggs, 16 person. I think it's that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's, It's a version of that. And someone came in and took us through the nine core personality types that exist and oh i think i've done one of these yeah the 16 personalities i i know mine the one that i the one that we did was a bit different it's called an enneagram i think oh okay fine I've um and the idea is that there are nine baseline personalities and that you can have combinations of different ones but they're like nine ultimately so for example three is the achiever and these people will ultimately do all they can to show their success and they work towards success. So ultimately they're good for society because they drive things forward. But um, in terms of like their interpersonal relationships, they can struggle because they've got this like desire to show that they're succeeding and stuff. So it was very interesting. And I had my results and we all, interestingly, every employee in the company, I think maybe bar one or two had quite a similar distribution of personality traits, which is Mm. like interesting. But uh, I don't know know... I do know what mine were. Um, do you want to had... talk about them? Yes. Do you agree with them? I suppose is nope. Ah, so <laughs> no, no. this is the conflict already happening. <laughs> yeah, you can see I'm I'm basing my opinions on this test over whether <laughs> this I, on, test on whether I, I agree. These test this test man. <laughs> I'm not agreeing this with this test. Just said I'm stupid. <laughs> this ain't right. Now, nah, like this test, the, the result came back. It was like handsome. <laughs> oh. Um, not a personality okay, trait, but I'd take it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it had me. Uh, so my. To- I'll just give you my top five, maybe. Uh, fifth was the challenger. I can't really go into it, but type eight, if anyone's interested in eight. Type five, the investigator. That's what I personally think I am the most. Um, that's that's for me in fourth place. Third place, the peacemaker. Type nine. Second place, the enthusiast. Type seven. 
Um, I think I, I think the enthusiast is decent for me. And then type three, the achiever, was first place. Hmm. So yeah, um, but I'm just I'm not really sure whether I agree with that. Um, I'm not saying I <laughs> well, don't just achieve. Off the it's singular just, word, <laughs> like yeah, I don't achieve. achieve no, <laughs> I'm not an achiever, man. That ain't me. Um, it's yeah, it's more about like. Wait, so what's the description for the achiever? Just if it's brief. Okay, I'll go down. Generally threes, so the achiever. Generally achievers are effective, competent, adaptable, goal-oriented, ambitious, organized, diplomatic, charming, into performance and image conscious. None of which <laughs> that, apply to me. Adjective vomit. <laughs> like, how are you meant to like, understand what that means? Um, it says beneath... It, it says threes get into conflict by being expedient, excessively driven, competitive, self-promoting, um, appropriate instead of sincere, boastful and grandiose. And then there is like a quite mm -hmm. a long, uh, like a mini essay explaining the, the threes personality. But what I'm saying overall, I don't want to fall into the trap of getting too hung up in what the individual traits mean. My point is the concept of being able to say you are one of nine different personality types that exist doesn't work in my opinion, because also mm -hmm. that's based on the society that we live in you know like british society and we you're implying that these things are innate to us right mm. it's applying that you are i'm innately a three almost like that's just who i am right so you put me in a different context and i'll be this way but these personality types are just based on like western culture basically you know if i were brought up in rural china i don't think there'll be many threes in rural china necessarily um mm. just because that they're living in a different like they're living with different goalposts so like yeah like i hope you can see what i'm saying here i, I just think it's too simple to try and place personalities into nine different types unless it's very light-hearted you can say oh you tend to be more um like more of a go-getter I generally and you know that means that you might conf have more conflict with other people as a result and stuff like that that's okay but it was more that I felt like these were conclusions being made about me as a person um from the results and I <laughs> yeah. I think people who I wouldn't personally want to take any of these results too seriously you know it's okay as like a bit of light-hearted like reflection but yeah ultimately I think it's too difficult to you know be able to to put someone in a box like that so yeah those are my mm -hmm. views on that yeah. Anyway, now you've got to go and do the test. <laughs> All that said and done. <laughs> I think ultimately we are going to get to a point where it's going to have to be done and it will be done as well. Whether it's done correctly or well, you know, that's a different argument. I don't think it's ever going to be complete or finite because like you said, there are just so many different factors to take into account. But I think we're very quickly reaching the amount of like, you know, being able to create a training data set kind of thing and be able to... Um, have the processing power to be able to even assimilate that information and create something somewhat meaningful out of it. So it'll be interesting to see what the future holds in that aspect because you're going to have to create like robots with different personalities and stuff. And like, yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's, personality it's categorization. You know, it, yeah. Especially once they become more generalized, right? Because right now they're very specialized. You know, they can just do a set number of things, they can answer a set number of questions and stuff. But as they become more and more generalized and everything, they're going to have to be able to interact with us in different ways and even like understand when we're angry or something or, you know, we say to do something, but it's not even in our best interests for, for the robot to do that. And then, I mean, this is a different kind of topic now in terms of like autonomy and everything. Like, what if that robot just turns out like I don't think you have capacity to make this decision right now? Like you can't retain yeah, the information. Yeah, like the robot realizes you don't have capacity. That's very scary. Um, oh, yeah, man, that actually be mad. I do unfortunately have to end it here because I do need to get going. I've got a call actually in a minute. So 
unfortunately, I, I would like to continue this conversation. Maybe we can expand into a part two next week or something. Um, but for now, I will have to leave it there. Um, yeah. Unless you've got any final closing points. No, I mean, I've ran out of like insightful points, but that implies that I had insightful points in the first place. But no, I think it's an interesting thing, especially for the future. So I suppose we'll leave it there and uh, catch you all next week. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Getting It. If you enjoyed this episode, or didn't, then feel free to leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcasts app, or on the Apple Podcasts website. We'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, or questions about anything we discussed, so feel free to email us at thoughts at gettingit.co.uk. You can also reach us on Twitter or Instagram at gettingit underscore pod. You can find all the links in the show notes.